0: Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and today we're on the airwaves with Vice Admiral DeWolf Miller, Commander Naval Air Forces to discuss readiness recovery and the current state of naval aviation. Sir, thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me.
0: So you took the job of Airboss one year ago. What have you noticed about the current state of naval aviation?
1: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. And uh, um, by the way, this is my very first podcast, so kind of uh, excited to, to do this. Hey, naval aviation is, you know, it's hard for me not to get emotional when I think about naval aviation. I think about our history, and I think about, our, you know, where we are currently, and, and I look at our future. Naval aviation is pretty darn great, and it, it's even getting better. I look at this last year, and uh, I, I uh, reflect upon our deployments Uh, reflect upon how we're making a difference in the world, uh, how we're changing our deployments a little bit with dynamic force employment. I look at uh, the transitions that we have from P3 to P8 that are wrapping up our E2Cs and E2Ds, the fact that our very first F-35 Squadron VFA 147 just achieved safer flight status and preparing for their first deployment. I look at the evolution of our aircraft carrier from the Nimitz class into the new Gerald R. Ford class. I I see our final legacy F-18 squadrons transitioning out of legacy F-18 into newer, more lethal airframes. And then I tell you, I look at our people and the quality of the people that make up naval aviation, the lifeblood of of our force. And I'll tell you, it just makes me feel great about um, naval aviation, about the future of naval aviation, and, uh, and, and to be uh, air boss at this time is, is quite exciting, quite challenging, and I'm, I'm humbled and, and honored for the position. Now that said, our readiness, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, our readiness isn't where it needs to be. And so that's been a huge focus across the entire enterprise. And, you know, from engineers uh, to sailors to our repair centers to our industry partners, has been uh, focused on on recovering readiness. So that really is the focus of AirBoss as we maintain our priorities of warfighting people and then the readiness of both, our readiness to fight war and win and our our readiness of our people and our families.
0: So speaking of readiness, I've heard readiness recovery has been described as an all-hands effort. Why is that and what does that mean to the Naval Aviation Enterprise Workforce?
1: Well, it is an all hands evolution. I'm glad you couched it that way. And I kind of, I'm a big analogy and a sports analogy guy. And so I'll say, I will tell you that as we looked at, and I'll use Super Hornet as an example. We had engineers at, at, you know, fleet uh, readiness centers that were counting the components that they were repairing, but they didn't really have a sense on what that meant for up airplanes and, and the lethality of, of our our, of our flight line. And the same thing could be said with uh, um, again folks that just aren't on the flight line uh, generating those, those airplanes. And so I look at that as, you know, so hey I'm a alignment on the football team and I know my position and I'm doing my job really well and I'm working really hard, but how is that contributing to the overall effort of the team? And so this year we've spent an awful lot of time working on the alignment of all of our activities, and then the understanding of how what I'm doing on a daily basis, you know, each single person within the enterprise, how what they're doing on a, on a daily basis contributes towards, for example, in Super Hornet achieving 341 mission-capable lethal airplanes that can fight and win tonight. And so so that's where we talk about it being a an all-hands effort. And then, really, once we achieve that uh, alignment of, message, that single sense of purpose, then we need to instill that sense of urgency. And so that we understand that not only do we need to do our jobs well, we understand how doing our jobs contributes to the overall gains in naval aviation and our Navy writ large, but we're also getting that sense of urgency to make sure that we're moving out with a sense of purpose that is making a difference.
0: Sir, I really like that football analogy. Know your position and how you contribute to the team. So what would you say will enable readiness recovery?
1: I think part of it is having clear expectations and communication, making sure that everybody's aligned and we all know that this is what the team is playing for and what we're trying to achieve. But then the other part, and I'll tell you, a lot of my visits and boots on ground uh, events uh, is where all of a sudden we find, uh, we discover uh, that somebody, boy, if they just had this one tool, or they just had this one piece of gear, their job would be made easier, and they'd be more effective in their, in, in what they do. And so that communication, the elevating of barriers, or not suffering in silence, if you will, saying, "Hey, the, if I just had this one, you know, widget or whatever it is, I'd I'd be more effective, or I could do my job better." So I think a lot of the enablers are just communication clear lines of expectations, knowing that we all have the same goal, and then we're, we're, we're working towards that together. So I guess I'd sum it up by just saying teamwork.
0: So in a recent air plan, you said to say we're working towards readiness is one thing. To show it is another. Having a plan, then regularly checking our performance against it is the best way to get us to where we need to be. So how are we going to track and check our progress?
1: Man, I'll tell you it's like we're reading each other's minds I'm going to use another analogy this gets into plan to perform you know performance to plan and uh, so let's say I'm studying for an exam or I want to lose weight or pick a goal that, that you've had is this year's resolution the same as last year's resolution have, have we are we just admiring you know problems and issues or are we doing something about it so I, I like to use the losing weight thing and so hey I want to lose 10 pounds okay Roger that I want to do something now what am I doing about it okay so I'm gonna to go to the gym you know three times a week and then I'm gonna measure how I'm doing and I'm gonna and guess what three times a week getting hacking it I'm not I'm not on my my plan here so that means maybe I need to adjust my diet and go four times a week and so it, that's part of being a learning organization I'm gonna set a plan I'm going to measure my performance to that plan, and then I'm going to learn and adjust the plan as we go so that we achieve that goal. And so what we're doing is it's a drumbeat of how we take a look at everything from what we're doing at our squadrons, what we're doing in supply, what we're doing at our FRCs. We have plans at every single one of those areas, and then we're measuring our performance to that plan, and then we're adjusting and learning as we go. And so that's why it kind of gets into your previous question about all-hands effort. Well, it's all hands, roger that. We're all aligned, roger that. But are we working smartly? Do we have a plan for what we're doing, and are we learning as we go? And so that's the performance to plan. The other thing that we've done across the performance to plan, not just developing the plans themselves and measuring ourselves against it, but we've... We tried to set ourselves up for success by including and adopting data analytics to help underpin the decisions that we make, because what we'll find is some efforts will uh, be more fruitful than others when it comes to readiness recovery, so we want to make sure that we're pulling on the right levers and that we're applying the proper focus in the right areas so that we're getting the maximum gain uh, of our readiness time and dollars.
0: So, sir, switching gears just slightly, what is SECNAV's Naval Sustainment System Initiative? And how is Naval Aviation leading the effort?
1: Another great question. So, Naval Sustainment System is going to eventually be just how how we do business. But what it is, and and what we're doing, is we're really leveraging uh, best practices from commercial industry. And we're applying it across what we're, I'm gonna call pillars we have six pillars that we're focusing our efforts on well those pillars are broken out into a surge pillar which is looking at hey these are airplanes that just need you know one two more parts or one more engineering disposition or something like that to quickly get them back into a flying status we have the uh, FRC reform pillar and that again is looking at our AIMDs and in our depots we have an organizational level reform pillar, and that's looking at our squadrons and our wings. We have a supply chain reform pillar, looking at the entire supply chain, the health of the supply chain, the expedience and the urgency uh, of, of what we're able to do from a supply chain, and that's looking not just at, at, at new parts, but it's also looking at all the piece parts that work with uh, DLA. An engineering reform is the, the fifth pillar, and the sixth one is the governance. So kind of as we go forward, how are we going to reorganize ourselves such that we're improving? And so our goal is, hey, once all this, this gets up and running and, and we've, we've migrated all these best practices throughout naval aviation, it won't be a development anymore. This will just be kind of how we, how we do business.
0: So why is the Super Hornet fleet the focus of the initial NSS effort?
1: two reasons. One, the Super Hornet fleet is probably, when you're looking at the state of readiness, they're the ones that are probably in the worst shape. They're also the ones that contribute most greatly to our lethality. And it's not just Super Hornets. Secretary Mattis came out with a directive a a while back um, asking all the services, the Air Force, Navy, the Marine Corps, that our lethal platforms, our strike fighters, that they achieve an 80 percent mission capable rate across the force amongst all of our squadrons. And so that's part of the reason why, but we were already started on this initiative prior to that, but it was good that it's now recognized and we have top cover senior leadership interest in, in that readiness. But primarily it was because our, our strike fighters have been the ones that have been really, they have a quite a high op tempo and have had so for the last 17 years. Budgets have not been predictable, but the big thing is that Super Hornets is where we're focusing our efforts in the uh, initially. And the idea is uh, all the benefits that come with fixing Super Hornet will then migrate very rapidly into all of our other uh, type model series.
0: Are there certain things that have been learned to date about supply chain and FRC repair capability in regard to the Super Hornet?
1: Well, it's interesting, so if you walked into our, and I'll use FRC Southwest, the one here in San Diego, because I get to see it more regularly, if you walked into the shops a couple months ago, you would just see uh, you know, a lot of heavy maintenance, uh, guys working really hard on their equipment, but I couldn't tell you if they were doing well, if they were doing poorly, what their issues might be, what they were lacking, what they needed, and so what we've really done is reformed the way work flows. It's much more visual. You could walk into that hydraulic shop at FRC Southwest right now and you can see exactly where a broken part starts and where a brand new part you know exits. You will see where uh, on the flow that hey their issue here is that they didn't have all the piece parts they needed to do the repairs on the various equipment and then you go okay well this is a DLA or a supply issue what are we gonna do about it we swarm that problem we fix that problem now you see that flow going now you move over to the landing gear shop and you can see the exact same thing there but you'll see a different barrier or a different impediment that again we can swarm and fix and start improving and we've already seen a fifty percent reduction in turnaround time in the two shops that we have went ahead and reformed. And that's making a big difference out on our flight line. And so that's what gives me a great hope as I look at our performance to plan, which is kind of, if you will, how we go about business, the Naval Sustainment Strategy, which is gonna reform how we do our business. And all of it's gonna contribute to greater readiness across all of naval aviation, such that, hey, we're not just winning today but we're winning well into the future.
0: When it comes to readiness recovery and naval sustainment, why must we act with urgency?
1: That's a great question. Right now with all the effort on readiness and readiness recovery we can't take five, six, seven years to recover readiness because that's coming at the expense of our modernization and at our lethality in the future. We need to minimize our vulnerability by recovering readiness as rapidly as possible so that the dollars that we're putting into readiness now absolutely contribute towards readiness and then once we achieve that and sustain it then we can start spending our money more smartly on other things that make naval aviation and our navy great and the other part on that sense of urgency is you know, we don't always get to pick and choose the place and time of our uh, conflicts and, and our battles and so because we're not where we need to be, we absolutely need to, send, you know, if you will, change behaviors to give ourselves a little extra push to provide that sense of urgency because you just never know what the world is gonna, gonna bring us.
0: You mentioned changing behaviors. If we do that, what is the impact gonna be on the warfighter?
1: I started off by talking about the quality of our people. Our, our people are absolutely uh, amazing. And my job, To man, train, and equip deployable combat-ready naval aviation forces that win in combat Uh, means that we need to provide our warfighters, our sailors, our aircrew with the best training and the best equipment possible. We need to do it with a sense of urgency such that they have what they need as soon as possible. What it means for the warfighter is that they are going to continue to operate at high levels. They're going to continue to make a difference in the world. They're going to come to work every day knowing that they have what they need to succeed and that what they do absolutely makes a difference. But I'll tell you, when you look at what Naval Aviation and our Navy is doing around the world, when you look at a resurgent threat and you look at our role in national and world security, you got to feel pretty darn good about where we are and what we're doing. So our job and when we talk readiness and readiness recovery is saying, yeah, we're where we are, but boy, we could be better and we need to be better. And so that's the passion that, you know, I approach this business with and again, I'm just proud and honored to be a part of it. And I think Naval Aviation's doing a fantastic job of doing what we do.
0: Well, sir, I appreciate you joining us today to talk readiness recovery and the current state of Naval Aviation. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.